ask yourself, am I willing to speak to myself like I would a loved one in the worst moments of this race? Hey, hey, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Now, I've been getting a lot of messages lately with questions surrounding, big surprise here, running the marathon. And so I felt like what more appropriate time to bring this conversation back into the feed from early 2019 than right now. And that conversation is with the one and only Robin Arson. She is the vice president of fitness programming at Peloton. Yes, it's a Peloton week on the show with Rad's episode going live on Monday. And Robin is giving us her best race day tips for the marathon. Now, a lot of these are super helpful regardless of how far of a distance the race you are running may be. But I really love how she talks us through the race a little bit at a time, right? We, in our discussion, cover what you need to keep in mind before you even begin, what you need to think about the morning of, where your head should be at during the miles, the effort, the aftermath, and beyond. So this conversation, listening back to it, so many great actionable tips and suggestions here from Robin when we sat down to record this. Robin was a 26-time marathoner, so it's safe to say that this strong mama knows a thing or two about showing up and getting it done. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, etc., we are all ears. Feel free to tag Hurdle over on social at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi, and as race day here in New York gets closer. I'm going to be hosting a bunch of events in the area. I'm going to link to all of those in the show notes. There are still some tickets left for next Wednesday night, November 2nd. We're having a conversation on runner safety, and I would love to have you there and me IRL. I think that's it for now. I'm just going to get right to it this week. With that, let's bring it back. Let's get to hurdling. So today I'm going to be talking about how to gear up for a marathon, talking about marathon race day with the one, the only vice president of fitness programming at Peloton, 26-time marathoner, author of Shut Up and Run, Miss Robin Arzon. Dang, thanks. I'm what an intro. <laughs> I'm was, a hype yeah, man, you. Yeah, you're you're pretty you're getting pretty good at those intros, yeah. Queen. <laughs> well, it's been a long time since you sat down with me for episode 28 of the podcast, November 19th. 2018. That was right after, was that right after, that was right after New York? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, wow. been, it's been a minute. Yes. Happy to have you back in the studio. Likewise. I'm happy to be here. So today we're talking about race day for marathoners. Obviously, some of the things that we chat about, they'll be applicable to racers of all types. But we're chatting marathons because it's fall marathon season. There's, it's an exciting time. It really is. And it's the runner. culmination of months of just slogging it out like slogging. <laughs> there's so many footsteps I know and I mean I'm sure as a 26 time marathoner I mean this is a conversation like what do I need to do for this one day that you have had so many times with yourself and then of course with your audience at Peloton and beyond yeah well I mean I would think the first thing I like to remind myself is trust the training it's really natural during the taper to start to try to like fill in gaps and holes and do more when it's like you just have to focus on what you can control at that point and you can't rewind the tape. You can't rewind the time. So, you know, definitely like attend to injuries, go to PT, like do the things that you have been doing, but also be a little bit less harsh. Like we really get in our own heads the few weeks before race day, especially because it becomes palpably real. So I always tell folks, trust the training, focus on what you can control, and then start to figure out, like, if your mind is running, <laughs> no pun intended, if your mind <laughs> is kind of going, you know, at all cylinders, start to unpack things like race day logistics, like your gear, where's your cheer squad going to be, like specific corner of X route. Start to look at the route, and if that provide, if that doesn't provide relief and it makes you more anxious, do the stuff that you've been postponing. like. Go to coffee with a friend, go to the movies, read the book, binge something on Netflix. Like, it's okay to do that. I love it. And that's a great piece of advice to kick us off. Okay, so it's race day. We, <laughs> it has arrived. Okay, so the first thing, the golden rule. I know you're going to, I yeah, know you're going to answer course. this question right. Of course. The golden rule of race day, Robin, what is it? Nothing new on race day. Not even rehearsed, just so on point. <laughs> I would say that's that's number, number one, one most sure. important. For so sure. talk to me about why that's so important. You don't want to be putting anything on your body or ingesting anything that you haven't rehearsed. You want to think of all the training as multiple dress rehearsals for the big show. And something as small as a seam that you may not have ever considered would annoy you could literally dismantle a race. And I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but 26.2 is a long time to be out there, even for the fastest runners in the world. So why would you insert a variable that is kind of a, is that you're unsure about? Um, that even the race shirt, even the, the cute stuff that the charity is giving you, like if you haven't done in a, a run in it or multiple runs, it's it's off the table. The, totally. cool, the cool stuff at the expo, like stop buying crap you don't need. Like seriously, like just try, like know what you've done in those twenty milers, eighteen milers, and stick with that. It's totally true, especially like the misplaced seam. I have a pair of leggings that I've worn so many times. I love them. I got a new one. I didn't. A lot of people have varying feelings on this, but washing before you wear, I'm like, eh, I can wear it, then I can wash it. Whatever, everyone's different. <laughs> I wore the brand new ones last week, and I was like, it didn't go well. So in my head, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm glad I wore them now. I'm glad we got over this hurdle, and now I can put them back on and, and get race ready. Okay, so we've established the nothing new on race day. We talked about it in relevance to gear but that obviously also applies to what you're taking in. For sure. I mean, nutrition is, nutrition makes or breaks a race. And 
literally even I mean I I personally don't have a sensitive stomach so I can take things on the course and know I'm 99.9% going to be okay but if but if you're unfamiliar with the gel or the goo or the bagel or the whatever it is they're serving especially for international races they ser- like I'm US based they serve different things in Berlin and in Paris and you know and even in London so make sure that you're checking out what they're going to serve on the course and always be your own plan B Mm-hmm. Like bring extra gels. I had one race where for some like I just shedded all my gels. I got and I planned on seeing my mom at mile 16. Didn't see her. So I was really in. Uh, thankfully, I saw some other runners on the course and they were like, here, they just gave me some stuff. But I was really left with like one gel for the remainder of the race. And we all know that's a recipe for disaster at mile 22. So just be your own plan B and definitely do your research on what's going to be provided for you. And I would even not count on that. Like just have everything on your person that you think you're going to need. It's smart. And I know obviously we're already talking about race day itself, but in terms of like the day before race day, what would you say is your biggest tip to people who are gearing up? They feel nervous. They're kind of a little all over the place. What would you tell them? Hmm. I would say... Even earlier in the process, if you can, start to establish like a ritual around nerves. Um, for me, it's laying out my clothing before the, you know, the morning of a long run or race day, as the case may be, like putting out my, you know, almond butter and, and Ezekiel bread, which is my go to like race morning food. Like I actually set an alarm to remind myself when to get off my phone the day before a race because it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole and then it's 11 p.m. midnight and then you start counting the hours that you're not gonna sleep and just start to create a ritual around how you're gonna fuel, what you're gonna wear, when you're gonna cut off communication, even with the most well-meaning folks. You know, you don't have to be, you know, sipping tea and kikiing with your best friend till one in the morning the night before a race, even though it might feel good in the moment, you really need to kind of go internal and, mm-hmm. and figure out ways that that actually feels powerful. Right. And and also along the lines of what you're getting at is just like visualization, like giving yourself the essential time that you need to visualize, okay, what is not only the race going to look like, but what's the morning look like? Like, how can I set myself up for success from the moment I open my eyes and like slip into that spandex and prepare yourself to boss up and get out there? I tell everyone to create a mental movie reel of their strongest training moments. And it might not even be in that training cycle, right? You might be like holding on to a beautiful memory from when you were in high school. Like it doesn't matter as long as it's meaningful to you. And it's, I joke kind of not really that I live my life like I'm in a Rocky movie montage. Like you should be that powerful or at least be aspiring to get a glimmer of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve at that finish line. Like maybe it's joy. Maybe you're just running to like lace up and live. Great. So then how would that be most optimal for you? Right. Start to create that mental movie reel. And it's it works if you do it the day before the race. It really works if you ritualize it. I mean, the best athletes in the world have mantras. And I and I almost – the mantra for me is is not just – a way to kind of center myself in the run, it's almost an invocation. Like I am calling on the power of like literally like the people who have come before me, like the people I want to make proud, like what I define as legacy. That is what I bring with me on race day. And it might sound pretty dramatic, but like why shouldn't you star in your own story? 
Totally. Okay. So you're the star of your story. It's race day. You wake up, you get your stuff on, you're moving. The One of the most frequent questions I get, and I'm sure you get this as well, is talking about what and when to eat in the morning before a race. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, let's talk about it. So for a race like New York City, you are going to be at the race corral hours before you're even going to get moving. So I kind of plan my breakfast in two parts. Like I'll eat um, like almond butter and toast and banana is kind of my go-to. And I'll have like one piece of toast and almond butter in the morning before I leave and a banana. And then I'll probably eat like half a banana and the other piece of toast, maybe like 60 minutes before the race. And I stop drinking fluids 60 minutes before the race. Right. And that obviously gives you time to like process what's going on. Mm -hmm. So if you do have to go to like a porta potty or whatever you got to do, if you're getting it all done an hour before, then that gives you like time for the emergency pit stop. Yeah. And you definitely want to plan your fuel. It's almost like you're planning for three, maybe even four hours of fueling before you're even going to run. Most folks are not fueling for their 20 miler four hours in advance. Right. So think about that. Like, if you're if you normally have your whatever it is, your half a bagel 90 minutes before, then plan for that. But also know you're going to need a little bit of extra juice because you're waking up very likely earlier than you normally would on your long run day. Right. And if you seem to be a person that gets some sort of a nervous stomach or something like that, that's also to take into account because, yeah, those long runs and training, they can be a little nerve inducing. You could feel a little anxious, but it's a completely different game plan on race day. So you want to make sure that if you know that's who you are and that's something that happens to you, plan it out. Be easy with yourself. Be gentle. Know that like it's fuel and it's there to help you, not hurt you. Right. Um, Okay. So we talked about fueling. Now we're on the course. Yeah. Ah, ah, so calm on the course. <laughs> you're out there. All the hard work is starting to pay off. You're at the beginning. What are some tips that you would offer to someone at the beginning of the race? Because I think one of the biggest things that you hear time and time again is don't go out too hard, right? You've got 26.2 miles ahead of you. I mean, that's the classic advice. I would say what kind of run are you approaching? Is it a race? Or is it a marathon? Because racing a marathon is actually very different than running a marathon. So look at the course. There are courses that lend themselves to negative splits. You definitely want to be informed if that's something that you're kind of banking on because there are a lot of things that can go wrong. But, you know, for a course like New York, for example, is really hilly. Chicago, a little flatter. You can probably have much more – you will have much more even splits on a flat course. So I wouldn't say – everyone needs to be conservative of of padding their mileage two minutes a mile. Like it's not a bright line rule. Just know that you are conserving energy. The race starts at mile 16. Exactly. So plan based on the course and how you're approaching that finish line. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is your personalized health dashboard. They analyze your biological data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on in your body and provide science-backed recommendations so that you can take control of your own health. So let me talk through what this looks like in practice. The first thing you do, you choose your plan. I myself have done three different ultimate tests at this point. Then you'll be prompted to schedule a blood draw through one of their partners. And after that, 
very soon after that, I think the last time I got my results within 48 hours, you receive your biomarker analysis, complete your wellness survey, and get personalized science-backed guidance based on your data and your goals. For me, I've talked about this on the show before, but I, like many women, had low iron and ferritin levels. And through working with Inside Tracker, talking to a registered dietitian, I was able to incorporate more things into my diet, including leafy greens, cashews, a little bit more red meat, all of which got my levels to where they should be and had me feeling a whole lot less tired and a whole lot better. Of course, Inside Tracker has a deal for you. If you head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle, that's I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R.com slash hurdle, you can get 20% off the entire store today. Again, that's insidetracker.com slash hurdle for 20% off your purchase today. Yeah. And I know, I mean, me personally, time and time again, so many people say you should aim for negative splits. And this sounds like this idyllic situation in my perfect world. I'd love them. But I know that I am a person that with the right fuel, no matter what, I get to that mile 22 and I'm definitely going to be slower than I was at mile 12. It's just how I run and I still have energy left in the tank, but it's just not the same. And so if I was to take that advice, like, oh, go out really slow and then just speed up gradually and gradually, like I'm not that kind of runner. And so it's important going into race day, especially with those longer training runs, feel it out, feel what kind of runner you are and like really pay attention to what's happening in your body and listen. Listening is so important. Okay. So we're at the beginning of the marathon, the classic advice, don't go too all out right off the bat. What's the next piece of advice you got for me on race day? I think that you need to plan for the discomfort and how you're going to speak to yourself in that moment. Because even the best marathons that I've had, there were moments where I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is actually insane that I'm on this course. Um, So how are you going to speak to yourself in the moments of discomfort and plan for the discomfort? Don't go down a rabbit hole of thinking of every bad thing that could possibly happen in the race, but ask yourself, am I willing to speak to myself like I would a loved one in the worst moments of this race? And that has, that preparedness for the discomfort, I think goes a really long way. Oh, 100%. And I think there's also so much research about how different people respond to different types of self-talk. So Mm. you might be a person that responds really positively to self-talk, for example, with expletives. You might not be a kind of person that handles expletives well. You might feel like you're degrading yourself and that's not a good thing to get into. So again, with the practice, that's like a common theme here. It's like talk to yourself see how it feels, Mm. and rehearse, which is such a good point to bring up for sure. So there's the self-talk piece, and then there's the associative versus disassociative ways of approaching just the mental mind games of an athlete. I say mind over miles. I do think after a certain basic level of training, everyone can reach that finish line, but you have to want it badly badly enough and then proceed accordingly. So the so disassociative would be think of other things, listen to music, focus on the crowds, thank the volunteers, get yourself out of your body. Associative is saying, I have one more step, even counting steps. I think, gosh, I'm forgetting, one of the most famous female runners, famous, I think it was Paula Radcliffe, famously counted steps. Or maybe it was Joni. Anyway, regardless, 
that's insane counting every 10 <laughs> steps you know and but like that worked for her so figure out like is this a moment where i have to go inward or is this a moment where i have to just like look up at the sky and be like put on some Beyonce and go <laughs> and go I think something great that you offered up before was knowing exactly where your friends and family are going to be on the course I think it's one thing to say okay I'll see you at mile 16 it's another thing to say I'll see you at the northwest corner in front of the Brooke College campus at mile 16 because that is so critical so because for some people, you look forward to that moment for so long, and if you miss it. Mm. Or waste energy looking. I've had experiences where I'm like, I, you wanna establish runner's right or runner's left, meaning you know where they're gonna be from your perspective. Because trust, at mile five, you might think, oh, let me just run across three lanes of this road that's closed off for the race. You do not wanna waste those steps. Truly, you don't wanna waste those steps. So. Have them set up where it's going to be most convenient for you. Awesome. Okay. Convenience is important. Finding family, finding friends, always helpful. Now we're more than halfway through the race. We're like coming up on that mile 18 to 20 area. And this is when things get rough. Yeah. So where are we at? What are we that doing? That is, I can, I always try to approach miles 18 and above as a rite of passage. Like, you know, people always talk about mile 22. I actually think 18 to 21 can be the toughest because once you're at 22, you're like, even if I crawl, my ass is getting to that finish line. <laughs> it's so but gross. at 18, you're like, ooh, that's still kind of a long run, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially when your legs are tired. So I think considering that that is literally the crucible, like that's the rite of passage. You have trained so hard for the privilege of doing this with your body. And um, again, it goes back to identifying how you're going to speak to yourself in that moment. And I also think people are people are hunting for motivation when they should be hunting for purpose. So yes, go, scrolling on Instagram and seeing a seeing you know a be beautiful, powerful runner like Kara Goucher or Allison Felix, you're like, wow, like they are exemplary, and they are. I love them. Hey, ladies. Um, <laughs> but you know, they're not you, and they're not with you on the course. Most likely. So <laughs> what is your purpose in getting to that finish line? And it has to be yours. Is it being a stronger mom? Is it being, you know, is it for that selfie at the finish line? Live. But you got to earn it. Right. You got to earn it. And so obviously also at this point, a through line on this, we're talking about fuel. We haven't touched on just yet um, a strategy in terms of, yes, you have to rehearse it. But generally, I would say a rule of thumb you hear quite often is about every four miles or every 30 minutes. What is something that you stick to for that? I do every 30 minutes like clockwork. Yeah. You definitely want to bank minimum of 200 calories before you get to mile 20. Um, and that's... Most people will be running further on race day than they have in any training run by a few miles, at least three to five, three to six miles. So I would say, you know, you definitely want to consider that you're banking the calories. You never want to be thirsty or hungry on the course. You're right. always preempting that. Totally. Okay. So we're coming up to that finish line. It's your big moment. And what happens now? Keep walking. <laughs> you know, unless you have a serious injury or something, keep moving. I actually love the way the New York City course is set up, that it kind of forces you to walk for about a mile. That will reduce soreness. It gets, it flushes out lactic acid, and it's just kind of bringing your body back 
to status quo after something that was really intense for three, four, five, six hours or more. So um, definitely, I just like grab a water bottle and walk with it. It might be might feel more like a hobble, you know. That's okay. Don't don't pressure yourself. But I but I do like the idea of walking after a race. And you wanna a lot of races will have um, the stretching tents and the massage tents and stuff. Just be make sure you're you know how you feel in that moment because your muscles are incredibly tender. So you don't want to have someone that you might not have not have ever seen before kind of going in on your hamstring or something. Just right. just be really mindful of that that post race recovery suite kind of stuff. Totally. And then, I mean, obviously you plan to see your family along the course, but it's also really important afterward, no matter where you are, if you're domestic, if you're international, you have a plan of where you're going to find them afterward. Because a lot of the times in these marathons, it's a lot of people concentrated in one area. Cell phone service might not be working. You're obviously going to be a little slower, a little more out of it than usual. So it's so, so important to make sure you also have a post-race plan. Super important. And you're probably not just try to focus on hydration. You might not be really hungry. I always tell myself, like, just get in like five pretzels, you know, like just (laughs) try to get it down and then but don't freak out if you're not super hungry within the hour after the race. It might take a few hours for your appetite to come back. And I always um, recommend if you do have family, you know, in town or loved ones, pick a place that's off the race course to have that like celebratory meal yeah. because at least in a place like New York City, the traffic is insane. So you kind of just want to plan your way home in a way that doesn't <laughs> exacerbate, you know. Make um, it more difficult. Yeah, make it more difficult. Exactly. Totally. Oh, and go walk backwards down the stairs. That helps a lot. Oh, God. Those next day <laughs> stairs, they're yeah. always an adventure. Yes. Okay. You have the opportunity right now to offer some last words of wisdom for the upcoming marathoners. What do you leave them with, Robin? Mm. I want them to look in the mirror and bang on their chest until they believe that they are a badass. Because it really takes looking yourself in the eyes and being like, we're doing this today. And it might feel silly at first, but there's something really powerful of moving your body in space for longer than, further than many people drive. And that makes you a very special superhero. So own that shit. It's a unique opportunity and an exciting one. Yes. That. Yes. Awesome. Robin, thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Thank I'm so happy to be here. I know. I know. It was long overdue. Yeah. Long overdue. Again, at Hurdle Podcast, at Emily Abadi, at Robin NYC on Instagram. You guys know how to reach us. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>